Welcome to the Prayer Storm Podcast. We hope this teaching will encourage you and equip you to live a lifestyle of holiness and intercession. Don't forget James's new book, Life on Fire, is out now. It's our first release from Prayer Storm and it's available on prayerstorm.org. The link is also available in the podcast description. Welcome to Life on Fire Discussions. I'm excited about this episode because I've got a good friend with me, uh, Prophet. Uh, a voice to the nations, and I'm excited about having him on this uh, a discussion tonight or today, whatever time you're watching this. His name is Tommy Oriyomi. Now, I don't know if you've not heard of him. If you haven't, well, where have you been? Tommy, it's great to have you with us today. Good to be on your program. <laughs> you came all the way from London yeah, well, to Manchester. Yeah. And you know what it's like in the UK when, you know, you have to drive for two, three hours. It's like three a hours. bit... Three hours, it's a yeah. big deal. People don't really drive that far to go they, places. We don't, but for friends, we do. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Americans, though, that's not a big deal to them, it's right? Not, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's like it's down the road. Exactly, exactly. But it's good to be with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming. It's your first time here in our studio. First time here in the studio, and I have to say, I'm loving it. You guys have an amazing setup here. So oh, well, thank you. Well done. Thank you, thank you. I was with you only a few weeks ago now. Exactly. And it was great to have some discussions about the same book we're going to talk about right, right now. I'm looking forward to Now, it. you've read the book. I've read the book. And, uh, you, you know, you had some really encouraging things to say. Now, obviously, I wrote the books, so I'm not trying to get you to big me up <laughs> and make me feel good about myself. But can you just, uh, uh, just give me or give our listeners a summary of what you felt? Because you made a comment about, you know, cultural Jezebel and, you know, all that stuff. Just give yeah. people a, a sense of what you felt reading the book, went through the book. Well, you know, I come from the prophetic background. And the prophetic background has a spectrum of Jezebel that is limited to her function in the church. Primarily, most of the messages you hear about Jezebel's spirit are her operations in the body of Christ, um, but never really extend to the fact that Jezebel is deeply political, deeply religious, and she sits right in that political religious divide in society and culture. And, you know, what I love about this book is it teaches the body of Christ that on on the other spectrum of a radical Jezebel is a even more radical church. Mm. And if that body can live their life on fire yes. and not kind of a tepid um, kind of invertebrate Christianity, yeah, but yeah. a really like fired Christianity, it'd be great. Another thing is I can actually hear your voice in the book. Oh, good. People have told me that. I can hear your voice, which is nice because, <laughs> because you read books and you go, yeah, that was an editor. That doesn't sound like you. I know you. But when I read your book, I can hear your voice behind the book and I can hear your fire behind the book and I can oh, hear wow. your passion behind oh, wow. the book. So all those things made it. I didn't feel like I was reading it. I felt like you were preaching to oh, me. Oh, wow. You know oh, wow. So that's good. Book. That's great good. Book. That's really encouraging. So I wanted to start off by talking about an area that, uh, that I know you function in. It kind of comes very natural to you. You're known as a prophet. You prophesy, release words of a nations, And, you know, you give people words that, you know, I've heard people say to me, oh, Tommy gave me this word. And just really accurate words you've received. I mean, we're not going to go into the history of your prophetic journey and how you get, you got, uh, you start moving 
moving in the prophetic ministry. But there's a statement I made in the book that says, um, when a nation is in its darkest hour, God often raises up his greatest prophets. Mm -hmm. And I really do feel like God is increasing, stirring up the prophetic anointing in the nation and the nations. You know, so as someone that has been growing in this, uh, what do you have to say into that whole concept of God raising up prophets in this hour? Yeah, um, I think that was the one key fixture that I appreciated so much in the book is, um, you know, when, when you buy a new car, it's amazing how you see your same car everywhere. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When I, you know, when you're in the prophetic, you tend to see statements people make about prophets more than any other feature in the mm-hmm. book because, that's, you know, that's an area that's near and dear to you. Um, when I read that part in the book, one of the things I value so much about it is the interesting perspective that the solution to the decadence that we see in our world today is prophetic voices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, for all of the things that we've seen movements like Word of Faith do and all of that, there's a very fine line between prophetic talk and positive talk. Mm. And you can be positive and not be prophetic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, Jesus looks at Peter and says, no, Lord, you will surely not die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can argue about the man that was the first man to use no and Lord in the same sentence. (laughs) But really, I think what was powerful about that was he was trying to be positive. Yeah. But it wasn't prophetic. Mm, mm. And some people think prophetic is positive. Mm -hmm, You know, Jesus mm -hmm. says, I'm about to die. There's nothing positive about that, but it's prophetic. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for for our word of faith, if we heard Jesus on Buttered, I say, don't profess. <laughs> especially, sorry, I'm doing my Nigerian yes. impression, especially for Nigerians. Don't profess death over your life. You'll not die. <laughs> you will live. The Bible says it. You know, and and yet, you know, the prophetic has the ability when it's speaking as a mouthpiece of God to transform nations. It's one of the key fixtures. I loved how you zoomed in on John the Baptist. Is this almost kind of overwhelmingly uh, typical prophet mm. in every sense of the word? Mm. He's not the unassuming Amos who was a shepherd mm-hmm. turned into mm-hmm. a prophet. He is this rambunctious, uh, uh, camel fur wearing, uh, you know, uh, locust stuck in his teeth, <laughs> kind of just prophet who doesn't care about the latest fad or mm. fashion. He's the extreme opposite of the culture that he's called to transform. Mm. And yet, in so many ways, you you typify how God uses that to, to reshape nations in mm-hmm. such a unique way. Mm. I think the prophetic in John's day um, took on two different formats. And I love this about when you read the book of Luke chapter 1 and you contrast it with Luke chapter 2. Luke one eighty talks about John. Luke 2.40 and 2.52 talks about Jesus. And mm-hmm. when I read those two together, mm. you know, the Bible says, and the young man grew in spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's, his, that's the full stop of his story. Yeah. But, but we needed a, an overextension in spirituality mm-hmm. at a time where people were kind of lascivious and, and hedonistic and full of their own self-involvement in individualism but yet jesus says oh the young man grew and became strong yes stature favor with god and favor with men and and yet to the point that you know john's 
prophets look at Jesus' kind of prophecy, and even John himself goes, "Are you the one?" Wait <laughs> a second. Is this so, the... so that, that that brings me to a question yeah. because when you look at that whole journey, you know, John preparing the way for Jesus, mm. and then the whole prophecy about I'll pour my spirit in all flesh in the last days, just sons and daughters will prophesy. We're believing we're in those days, and we're going to mm. see more of that. Mm. What those types of prophets you believe God's raising up in this day? Yeah, I believe that the the kind of prophetic God is raising up in this day, I do believe in the way-making prophets. Mm. But I think, I think my spiritual mom is Dr. Sharon. Mm. I describe her as a way-maker. Mm. You know, she made a way. She, her prophetic was very diplomatic. Mm. And the prophetic needed her mm. because... Churches didn't really take kindly to prophets mm. until we had a Dr. Sharon in this nation because she she made a way for a lot of us mm. to to first of all she apologized for the prophetic. <laughs> she that was Is first, that supposed to be a good thing? I, know, I don't know. <laughs> but, but you know, the prophetic's married a lot of people. It's buried a lot oh, of people. Oh right, okay, okay. You know, from that con- from that perspective, yeah, I see what you mean. Because yeah, like yeah. you talk about John, John has this very kind of unique savant kind of nature. He's very confrontational. Very confrontational. Very st- direct. Probably you'd call him kind of Aspergery, if you would, in his way. He just had this Intense. kind of yeah, this kind of socially inept Elon Musk esque. Mm. Mm. Like I don't care about social. Let's mm. let's talk spiritual. You know. <laughs> Dalshan comes and she makes this way. And and so this way is for, I think, a new generation of prophets to come in, like myself, who I don't know if there, there isn't a Tommy Arimi mm. without a Sharon Stone. Mm, the mm, two, mm. two stories are so intertwined. Mm. Um, but I find that the prophets God is raising right now are living with the assumption that we still have to be John Baptizian, which we do at our foundation. Mm. We still need the, the, the undercurrent of purity and yes. holiness, which we are missing, yes, by the yes, way. Yes. In this and hopefully generation. we'll come to some of that in our a few prophets, moments. Yes. We're, oh boy, we need mm. that. Um, I always say, if you don't fear him, you don't hear him. Mm, mm, because mm. the fear of God is the secret. And yeah. So we'll talk about that more. But, but I think Jesus' type, when John looks at Jesus' type, even Jesus had this kind of breakdown analysis of the two. He said, mm. you know, John came neither eating or drinking. This man was spiritual. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they called him a demon. Yes, yes. Jesus came eating, drinking, merrymaking with tax collectors and say, oh, this guy's a wine bibber, mm-hmm. friend of harlots and tax collectors and prostitutes. And so it's almost like he's saying, forgive my French, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm, mm, you know, mm. if I don't drink, I'm mm. a demon. If I do drink, I'm a friend of Paulus. Then he says, let wisdom be proved right by its fruit. But he prefaces this whole statement by talking about really an approach to the prophetic that deals with two generations. You know, mm. what shall we like in this generation too? Mm. So every generation... You know, Jesus never mitigated growth in spirit. Yeah, yeah. There were just yeah, other layers yeah, to that yeah, growth as yeah, well. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Jesus was a cultural prophet. Mm-hmm. He was a cultural, political, system-orientated yes. prophet that 
came to the cities. He said, he said, go into their cities and into their towns. You know, he was mainstream. Mm. Um, John was trying to get everybody out. You know, can you imagine John said, come out of the world, come with me. And yeah. he's at the Jordan, they're building tents and camps. Yeah. And, and then finally, behold, he comes. The one I've been telling you about who takes away the sins of the world. I wonder what his message will be. Go into the world yes. that I just told you to come out of. Mm. And this time preach the gospel. So, you know, John probably felt, is this guy undoing everything? I just spent mm. years trying to say, come out and wash yourself. But consecration is for infiltration. Absolutely. The whole purpose of the purity and the holiness is so that when you go back in... yes. You 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 can you, you can impact you can the impact system and the not system absolutely and you know uh, I I was having a chat with my pastor Jorisa talking about the very same thing that Jesus was able to be around sinners and he impacted them spiritually. Mm-hmm. Because he was stronger in the light than they were in the darkness. Absolutely. He was called to be around mm-hmm. them because we are light and we belong where the darkness is mm-hmm. to impact the darkness with the light. Absolutely. However, when we get into those environments and we are weak in our strength spiritually, not strong yeah. in the spirit, and they are the ones that are stronger in their dark mm. Uh, you know, lifestyles of oppression. Mm. Oftentimes, I think this is where we see uh, uh, people who are called to be prophets in the culture, but being influenced Absolutely. by the culture as opposed to influence the culture. I want to ask you something. There's there, there's a statement I, put, I wrote. I said the shift to shift the nation out of compromise. God raised up a countercultural, devoted man of God to resist the spiritual decline of the day. So the question is, how much is a life of purity? crucial to the potency of prophecy. I'm probably going to make a statement that's probably going to shock you, but I'm going to give it some <laughs> credence. Um, unfortunately, it's not. Hmm. And I'll tell you why. And then I'm going to tell you why it is, because what you say in your book has temerity to it. So, you know, many are going to come in that day and say, we prophesied in yeah, your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Jesus is going to say, yeah, but you prophesied. That's not hmm. in doubt you were a doer of iniquity whilst you were prophesying. Mm-hmm. So that means the gift can still be in operation. While the foundation is While the wrong. foundation is iniquitous. But here is the preface I say that you're, you're absolutely right. I find that my authority yes. and my holiness mm. are intertwined. Mm. Not my prophecy, mm. but the authority behind, behind it. Behind what he yes. said. Yes. He spoke as one having authority mm-hmm. and not as the scribes. Yes. That means the scribes could speak, the scribes could teach, the scribes could probably prophesy. Mm-hmm. But they heard a, they heard a weight mm-hmm. behind what this man said Yes. versus what this man said. They didn't... They they probably said the same thing, you know. Jesus meets some some um, what you might call um, uh, centurion guy. <laughs> sorry, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, he says to the centurion guy. He says, uh, centurion guy says to him, "Hey, can you um can you help me? My servant says, says, oh yeah, take me to him.' He goes, what? I'm not even worthy to have you come under my roof.' Mm. Now, what was he speaking about worth for? Because worth." He felt unclean. He felt mm. like this guy's holiness. How can mm. I have this holy man come into my unholy Gentile place? Mm. So he, he immediately recognizes that there's a certain level of 
purity mm. that you need to have to say a word. Mm. And it happens. So prophetic declaration is not dependent on holiness. Prophetic execution mm. is not one word Samuel spoke fell, fell to, to the, the ground. ground. That means prophets can prophesy accurately, but the, the what suspends their words in the air is actually holiness. What, now, uh, sorry to interrupt, sure. but that's really, really powerful yeah. what you're saying there. And I want you to even go deeper in that because I'm looking at my generation, our generation, as you speak that, and I'm wondering if that is something that's really understood mm. to the point of execution in lifestyle. Because mm. with the gift of prophecy, like you carry the gift of prophecy and you release prophetic words and people are attracted to the flesh, people are attracted to, you know, the big words. But the foundation, what's really stirring my heart is the authority that's necessary, mm-hmm. the, the credibility with heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you see this generation in that scope of people who are designed the gift of prophet, designed to move in the prophetic gift? How much of this generation in terms of our context are actually pursuing holiness in the same way? Or do you see both going together? Or are you seeing a disconnect? Or are you seeing them coming together? Um, first of all, I, I feel like I always have to say this, um, and I'm not saying this in any way to, to um, I don't know, for, for false humility. I really mean it. Um, what gives me the right to have people in my ministry that I've raised in the prophetic, what gives me the right to have people call me a spiritual uh, parent or a mentor or whatever, I always say, it's the mercy of God. Mm. Honestly. Mm. <laughs> Honest to God. When it says, you know, his mercy spores on you. And when it says that he's full of mercy, I recognize the mercy of God from when I was 15 years old, started mm. in the prophetic all the way till now. There mm. are things I wish I could go back and say. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Mercy, mercy, mercy has kept me. Mm. Goodness and mercy has followed me. Yes. Really has. Mm. And I'm so glad because um, it follows you, follows behind you. And I realize when, whenever you stumble, mercy is there. Goodness is always there. Mm. But mercy that is taken advantage of, mm. um, you don't know when mercy decides to stop following. Mm. Samson didn't know mm. when mercy said, I've had enough because mm. mercy is a training wheel for grace. You're supposed to move from mercy to grace. You're always supposed to live in the atmosphere of God's mercy, of course, but you're supposed to live not in the mercy shouldn't disable you where the grace is supposed to enable you. Mm-hmm. And so when, when in the prophetic, we are so inundated with mercy by nature of our office. Mm. And I'm grateful for it because um, we need it. When a prophet says, the Lord said, that's a huge thing to say. Mm. You have to know God said. Yes. And so there's always an anxiety. Did God really say this? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so thank God for the mercy that Mm. covers the flesh of Mm -hmm, prophets mm -hmm. that makes us go, goodness me. Holiness is is for me, holiness today Hmm. in our generation. One day God said this to me. Um, He said, Tommy, 
Holiness and not getting caught are not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Say that again. Say that again and loud. I, I, you know, I've had some really harsh beatings from the Lord. (laughs) Holiness and not getting caught are not the same thing. And I realized for the majority of my Christian life, if I can be honest, for my growing up in the Lord and in the prophetic, I actually assumed holiness after a while you convince yourself that you're holy because you haven't been found out yet Mm. Uh, and then you realize that holiness is not pulpit holiness Mm -hmm. is is consistency and it's it's actually for and i know this sounds like a really terrible definition of holiness but it is holiness is contentment with loneliness with the lord Mm. It's most preachers don't say that holiness can can be quite lonely. Mm. It's I wish we said it more because then people would understand that there's a price. Mm. And then you find this wonderful place in God where you realize that you know you think, oh, maybe I need to get married, right? So mm. you get married and you're still lonely. And you're like, huh. Mm. And most people haven't caught that revelation yet. Maybe I need kids. And you have kids. <laughs> And you're like, you're not satisfied. It's like, huh. And you reach this place, this kind of Solomonic place where it's like all is vanity. And you're like, actually, fearing God, that's really what leads to that Mm, mm, mm. element of contentment that Paul said he'd found um, that I think a lot of young people um, find harder because, because the end of all your peace is comparison. Paul knew this when he said, don't compare yourself to someone else. It's not wise. Mm-hmm. But Instagram, TikTok, mm-hmm. all of these things, they force us into mental illness. Yes. They really do because they force us into a hyperdrive of comparison. Yes. Yes. That even if we're saying we're not comparing ourselves, mm. why does that preacher have more followers? <laughs> and his, his message is dry. My own message is full of, you know, what's going on? You do. Mm-hmm. And then you drive yourself mm. out of the will of God when you started off running so well, because the comparison is default in today. Mm. It's whether you like it or not, the moment you open your phone and you go social media, it is built for comparisons. Mm, mm. And, um, you know, the, the most honest people in this arena just don't follow people that mm. are in similar arenas than them because mm. it, it makes them go, well, I'm not going to follow that person because I don't, I'm, their success upsets me, mm. you know? Um, but but then when you realize that that if you can learn, and I tell people, if you can learn to live with your mobile phone and serve God and social media and all that stuff, do it. But if social media and all of the things that drive us out of that place of consecration and into that place of competition, if we can learn to switch that off, I actually think we'll find a wonderful place that it took me years of, of searching for happiness in my marriage and my kids and all of those. And there's still moments where the enemy tries to upset that. And mm-hmm, go. Mm-hmm. But to find that place where David said, as for me, when I awaken your likeness, mm. then I'll be satisfied. Mm. Oh, does God satisfy me? 
So you're saying that is where holiness is, really. Yeah. And finding our satisfaction in God. Is God As opposed to finding our satisfaction in the things we're doing for God. Absolutely. Because we start to then fall into comparison. And we start to be driven by the externals as opposed to the aloneness with God. And you you cannot be alone with God without having his priorities, your priority. And because he doesn't like sin, guess what? (laughs) You can't have much time with him if you're going to be living in sin, right? Exactly. It's it's that kind of the essence. It's a natural repellent. Yes. So, you know, you live in the flesh, then you can't fulfill the desires of the spirit. And you know it. It never changes God, though. Hmm. I, I realize hmm. this. You know, I realize this. Adam never said, God, where are you? Hmm. God said, Adam, where are right. you? That means God always shows up at the same place at the same time to meet us. Hmm. And you read Isaiah, it says, your sin has separated you from hmm. me. It didn't say, I'm gone. Hmm. So when we feel like God is far away, the it's question the is, same. who's far away? Yes, yes. Am I far away? Is he far away from me? If you're just saying that, brings us back to James 5, or James 4 or 5. It says, draw near. Yeah, right. And he draws near. So there is Absolutely. the responsibility on, on us yes, yes. to start that healing process. Yeah. That's amazing. And as we're talking about the prophetic, um, I mean, there's several things we go into here, but what comes to mind is not just the purity, but the prayer. Okay, so um, we want to grow in the prophetic ministry. We want to be a voice. Uh, We want to be a representative of what God is saying in the earth to our generation. We want to encapsulate that. I love that John did not just preach a message. He was the message. He he captured the essence of it. Oftentimes when God gives a word and when God starts to uh, give you something for your generation, it can become... It can almost possess you where mm-hmm. you become it. And I really feel that's so key. Now, one of the things I noticed, I mean, one of my favorite characters through scripture, as you would say in the book, is Elijah. Elijah was one of those incredible prophetic voices, right. you know, that we often even refer to today. We talk about the spirit of Elijah, you know, the hearts of the fathers turning to the sons. And one thing I do see with prophets of the caliber of Elijah, I see this connection between their life of prayer Mm. and the prophetic mantles that they carried over regions and over nations. Um, And I said something in the book that oftentimes seems like some of the people I've met seem to want to be more drawn to the prophetic side as opposed to the prayer that backs up the prophecy. Mm. The prophecy. So, for example, you know, First Kings 17, it says, you know, Elijah released this, releases this declaration, there shall be no rain. But what you don't see there is the backstory to that declaration in James 5, mm. where it says, Elijah prayed. Right. <laughs> So my question to you is then, what is the connection between the ministry of intercession and the prophetic ministry, and how is that relevant for this generation that God is raising up? Because he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. So I believe God is going to pour his spirit, and there's going to be the explosion like never before the prophetic ministry. But if that's going to happen, where are those intercession and prayer sit in the life of a prophetic person? That's what I love about your book, um, Life on Fire. And I love about you, actually. I mean, you make me repent. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you this all the time. Every time James preaches, I just repent all over again for my my blatant lack of prayer. Um, But you're, I mean, you're a praying juggernaut. And, um, you know, when I see people who love God more than me, it provokes me. It really does. It makes me want to love God on that level. 
Um, I find that Elijah, mm-hmm. when you spoke about, I think it was a chapter in your book, you were talking about prophets needing to get back to that place of prayer and mm. actually having a prayer life. It's very easy for a prophet to leave the realm of prayer. Wow. Can you, can you, can you unpack that as a prophet? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm talking, most of what I say, I'll say from experience. It's very easy. Um, the Bible says in Exodus 33 that God spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend, right? Exodus 33:11, And Moses praised this prayer that was very kind of Abrahamic in its way. You know, Abraham's prayers kind of entreat God. Mm. Like, oh, what a 50 year <laughs> you know, And he was like, oh, show me your way. Okay, yeah, 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 I get yeah, that, okay. Yeah, yeah, All right, yeah. well, here's what I want. Show me your glory. That's what I'm asking. Like, yeah. oh, you can't see my glory, you sneaky guy, because that's from the <laughs> New Testament people. But I'll show you my back, right? Mm. Let's, let's start there. And Moses has this amazing encounter with the goodness of God, the mm. glory of God's back or whatever. As he has this encounter in Exodus 34, it says this powerful scripture, and Moses knew not that the skin of his face shone by reason of his conversation with God. Most prophets don't realize that they're shining. Hmm. What makes you a prophet is your time with the Lord. Hmm. Because people say, well, Tommy, it's easy for you. You have a platform. No. No, no. Let me tell you what I have. Time with God. Mm. Just like you. Mm. When you spend time with God, mm. you don't know you're shining. Mm. It's other people that tell you. Mm. Huh? You're shining. Wow, it's powerful. Mm. Wow, that's great. But something happens to every prophet that I don't think they tell us enough about. Mm. You reach a point when you know you're shining. Mm. Moses didn't know he was shining. Well, it was just conversation. It wasn't shining. He wasn't trying to shine. He wasn't trying to build a ministry. He wasn't trying. I wasn't trying. I don't know about you, but I didn't start a ministry. People say, yes. "How do you start ministry?" Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. start a ministry. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I just, I just talked to God. Mm-hmm. So, so, when did your ministry start? I don't really know when it started. All I know is I went from conversation to people going, to sharing my conversations with the Lord, to Mm. people going, oh my gosh, that just happened, Mm. you know? And then it became a ministry. Mm. I started getting more deliberate about it, I Mm. guess. And it's that that beautiful sweet spot that Samuel said, when you were small in your own eyes, when you had that, just that's what it was about. But there's a point in every prophet where, I guess every minister and every member of the fivefold, where you know people tell you you're shining enough to the point you go, huh, and and you start to go, well, if I'm shining, why do I need to pray? Mm. Do you think that's a, it's very seductive? It, it, do you think that's a subconscious, almost sometimes unspoken yeah. thing? Very much. So. Oh, it could. I, I doubt a minister would say out loud, "Why do I need to no. pray?" You see what I'm trying to say? No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, okay, so I'm going through a conversation that they probably not had with themselves. Why do I need to pray? And then all of a sudden, there's this kind of, 
you know, you, you realize every miracle Jesus did, he went up to pray. Mm. Most of us, we do ministry, we go to sleep. Mm. Oh, what a powerful source. Ah, reward, bedtime, right? <laughs> Jesus goes to pray all night yeah, after yeah. he walks on water, after he heals the sick, he finds a place to pray at nighttime. And I, I just realized, it, what was he doing? He was going deeper. He wasn't mm. content with the sh- yesterday's glory. Mm, mm, mm. He wanted to go from glory to glory. Mm. Most, uh, most prophetic people get glory stuck. Mm. And they don't go from that glory to another glory. Mm. They stay at that level of the prophetic because it works. Um, some people raise income off of that, unfortunately. Mm. Um, you know, they don't. They don't go deeper because to go deeper, what makes you not know your face is shining is because God's presence kills the flesh. Mm. You know what I'm talking about. When you're in that glory and all of a sudden it's, your flesh is dead. Mm-hmm. It's not a false humility. Flesh cannot glory. Flesh can't glory. glory in his presence, so it just yes. dies. Yes. Um, so when, when the flesh comes alive or it becomes sensitive to the praises of people, like it did with Saul, you know, I was afraid of the people and the people mm. and the people. All of a sudden, that flesh begins to resist God. It begins to, it doesn't know it's doing it, but it mm-hmm. withdraws from the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It accepts the praises of men yeah. more than the glory of God. Yeah. And so... I've been there. I, I know I've been there in my forming years and in the seduction of the praises of the people. Mm. When you give that word knowledge, I'll go, oh, mm. or that word of prophecy, oh my God. Mm. If you don't deliberately push into God. That's why Jesus said, why are you marveling that demons are subject to your name? Because mm. if you marvel at that, You'll get stuck there. Mm-hmm. Hey, just remember, your name's in the book of life, and it's written in pencil. I can get an eraser and just, you know, yeah. any type. So, so keep your focus the main thing. Keep yeah. it about, fix your eyes on eternity, not on, on here. And so uh, it ties back to holiness. Holiness is loneliness, and people don't say mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Holiness, the word, means mm-hmm. separation. Yes. What, is more, what is more lonely than separation? Mm-hmm. Now, most mm-hmm. of our objective in life is to not be lonely, and yet yeah. God is telling you, separate yourself from the majority. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that holiness is not just separate yourself from the world. Sometimes it's separate yourself from the majority of the church yes. who are able to do things yes. that you just don't get the permission to do absolutely. I often put it this way: like it's not just disconnecting; it's disconnecting to reconnect. Absolutely. So it's like you're disconnecting from certain things, yeah. and it could actually be very specific. Yeah. Like God may give you some instructions that pertain to how He wants to deal mm-hmm. with things in your life and where He wants to take you mm-hmm. in Him that He's not necessarily going to give me, and that would mean He's calling you to disconnect. Just for example, say from Nike trainers. Yeah. <laughs> I <bet you> <laughs> I'm not saying God's saying that, but he may say that. And he might be, but it would be it would be wrong of me to bring that as a teaching, a theology. I was <laughs> just gonna say that. All Christians, that. blah blah no. blah. But but that's God's that may be God's personal yeah. dealing with me, Absolutely. but he's doing that so I can reconnect with him in a way. Probably he's saying that because that has something yeah. in my heart, in yeah. a way of control or influence I have no idea about. Yeah. You know, so I think it's the permissible thing, permissible, profitable. Yes. You know. 
there are things that are everything we everything is permissible. There was a season where I mean I used to love EastEnders. I can't even lie. <laughs> what? I know. Here's, uh, here it is. Confessions. Exactly. You know, James has that kind of very priestly anointing that makes me feel like I'm in front of my Catholic priest, oh. you know, <laughs> repenting of my sins. So I used to love EastEnders and. Um, it got to a point, it was an addiction. It got to a point where, you know, my parents wanted to move to Canada and asked us all for reasons why. And my reason was, <laughs> no, he if didn't these standards isn't there, I'm not going. And I was dead serious until I went to a Benny Hinn crusade and Benny Hinn was preaching. He goes, somebody here, you've you got a demon of soap opera. <laughs> I kid you not. I was... Like, please, and then this lady was like, I was like, oh. I was like, God, have I got a demon? Has the spirit of EastEnders got into me? And you know, the Lord told me to cut it off. Wow, 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 back wow. then, that was sacrificing Isaac, that was mm. killing my baby. EastEnders mm. was like my addiction, and um, I found it so hard. You know, when people were watching EastEnders, I'd leave now. I wouldn't make it their rule. Mm, it was God's dealing with you. It was God's dealing with me. Because I had, I had a proclivity to lust. And this Stacy Slater, who was like the, the girl that went around everybody in EastEnders okay. back then. I don't know if she's still around. <laughs> um, and she triggered something in me mm. that God wanted me to cut off from. Mm. And, and now I don't care. Mm. I don't care if EastEnders, you know, it's been, what, 10, 12 years plus now. I don't care about EastEnders. Wow. Because all things... You got delivered. Yeah, I got, <laughs> yeah, the demon left. But, you know, all things are, 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 are permissible. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like the people who come to me, oh, what do you think about drinking? What do you think about, mm. what do you think about men with earrings? What do you think about tattoos? Mm, mm, mm. I, can't, I can't wear tattoos. Mm, mm. Can you imagine me preaching in Nigeria with tattoos? Dear God, who will even let... I, I think you need to... You need to uh, what, my wife told me something. Don't divide your platform before you have it. That's <laughs> <laughs> just a fair point. It's like, if you're going to be speaking to Nigerians, I, I, I don't think you want to be having tattoos, especially having like, to conservative... <laughs> You're, you're from the, the devil. Will spin. Oh, it will spin. You need to understand your context exactly. and where God has sent you. Exactly. There's some things God's not going to allow you exactly. to do. So you can't make that a rule for everyone. Exactly. You need to journey with the exactly. Lord. Now let's go back to this whole prayer thing because I think it, it is connected to the prayer and the because the prayer is connected to the holiness and the it's all kind of interwoven with one another. The whole idea that you can function as a prophetic voice and prayer is not important. I don't know if that's something that a true prophet would articulate and say, you don't really need to do this. But it's something that can subtly come into the way ministry is done. It's very seductive. And so we can get to a place where we exalt the platform and the, the, uh, the ministry more than we do our time with God. And, you know, I've, I've said things like, you know, the biggest platform God would ever give you and God ever give me, I believe, is the secret place. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. And that place is our time with him. Yeah. So can you expand on, again, the, the need for prophets to be intercessors? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, um, um, you know, somebody's, 
says, oh, you know, I fell in sexual sin. Um, my challenge is, well, how did it find you? Because mm. if you're in the secret place, mm. you shouldn't be findable. Mm. You know, people have to people have to seek God to find Elijah. Well, That's how. Well, well, well. You know, a man said, he said, hey, tell the king I'll come. He said, no way. Because <laughs> if, if God takes you away again, what am I supposed to do? You know, so it, it to me, um, part of the biggest attack of Jezebel is to shut down prophet's prayer life mm. it is to that's why elijah restored the altar because yes. to take prayer away is the spirit of seduction you didn't fall in sexual sin you fell in prayerlessness mm. prayerlessness was the pre- if the we, praying person would stop sinning the sinning person would stop praying yeah, yes exactly. <laughs> come on you look you look at you look at um paul the snake bit him what did he do mm. he threw the snake into the fire mm. because snakes Life on fire. Can a snake come near fire? <laughs> if you're on fire, snakes are cold-blooded. They yes. don't hang around yes, hot places. Yes, they yes, stay yes, in the yes. damp, cold that's places. A, that's a word for someone. If you're struggling with lust, you're struggling with perversion, you know what? Get in the fire. Absolutely. <laughs> Those snakes can't stay there. Those they cannot. Snakes, that's why the prerogative of Jesus was to baptize you with the Spirit of God on fire. Yeah. Because if you're on fire, what snake can come and, and bite you? And if it does, you just... You just shake it, shake it off into the fireplace. That Absolutely. was the strategy of, of, of Paul. So the fire is for protection. The, the prayer language there. And you look at Elijah, and there's this scripture that baffles me, and I have a theory on it. I'm not, not a theology, a theory on it. I, dear God, help me with, <laughs> if I have a theory. But I have a theory. Here's Elijah, and he runs away. And God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And you're almost looking at what a silly what is he doing? He's here to pray. But imagine God asking you, why are you here? Like, my theory is his fear Mm. was predicated by the fact that, now, here's the thing. Prophets are not the same as friends of God. Mm. Every friend of God is a prophet. Not all prophets are friends of God. That's good, yeah, yeah. You know, Here's Elijah, and I think the complacency of the prophet. Here's here's where we get complacent. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. The thing about the office that most people don't know is you don't come to the word of the Lord. Hmm. I don't need to fast for a prophetic word. Hmm. It just comes to you. It comes to me. I am what I am by the grace of God. And that's the, interesting. And that's wow. a complacent. It, you can get complacent. So, with so, that. so you could then start to function in a dysfunction, okay. thinking <laughs> because it comes to you, it's the way it's meant to be, Man. and you don't have to push because because there, there's this danger that could then come out of that, which is I am a prophet, and you over there, you are the intercessor. And I'm just going to let you do the praying and, and I will do, do the prophecy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. If mm. I can expose myself a little bit, there's a place that you like. I, when I read that bit about Elijah, it, tr- it triggered me some because the, he's so used to the word of the Lord coming to him that in a moment of, of, how did fear come in? And you ask yourself, did he get complacent with the... You, we don't know these things. So he runs away. When he runs away, um, God says, why are you here? And then God says, this is what the, the word of the Lord came to him, mm. saying, go stand before the Lord. Mm. He, what? 
Isn't he standing before the Lord? You understand what I'm saying? But it's the office versus the relationship. The, rela- the office doesn't have to discern God. The relationship has. That's why I said, oh, and the Lord passed by. Elijah couldn't even discern the voice of the Lord in his intimate time anymore. Mm. He said a wind passed. Is that God? God wasn't in the wind. And, and, and so my office, I know when God's speaking to me in my office. Mm. But the question is, do I have enough relationship with him? to when he speaks in his still small voice and it's mm. not his office it's mm-hmm. me now coming mm-hmm. to him yeah not yeah, him yeah, yeah, coming yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. me that's powerful can i can i still hear him and so for me a prayer life is important because it's so easy to assume that activity equals spirituality absolutely that's so good yes the assumption <laughs> that because the the word is coming yes, to yes, me yes. that I have a functioning friendship with God. Yes. The first time God spoke to Samuel, Samuel thought it was his dad, mm. uh, uh, his spiritual father, Eli, because he wasn't yet acquainted. When it says he didn't know the Lord, he wasn't acquainted with that sweet fellowship of the mm, Holy Spirit. Mm. Many of us as prophets are acquainted with the voice on our office, mm. but don't assume the voice on your office is the same as the voice in your relationship. Come on. So it could mean then, and as a prophet, you can speak into this, that as a prophet, you can function in the gift, release accurate words, release powerful words that bless other people. But when it comes to you, <laughs> now receiving from the Lord for yourself, no. are you now struggling? <laughs> it's not testimony. I'm serious. No, seriously. It, 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 it is so true that, you know, that scripture came to me when I was about 21 years old and I broke it down with Dr. Sharon and I still didn't have the articulation for it, but I was like, how can he stand before the Lord twice? When he said, go stand before the Lord, mm. he's standing, already standing before the Lord. And he's, he's having to learn in this moment to develop a relationship that he assumed he had. <sighs> Same thing with Moses. Moses heard God for years, but still said, show me your way that I may know you. Mm. In his entire ministry, you mean he didn't know God? Mm. And God said, okay, I'll show you, I'll show you my way. Mm. So most prophets think that because what you see in the stage. So, you know, I learned this so strongly from, from Dr. Sharon. I learned a lot from her. Not from her preaching, from traveling with her. I've been on the road with her seven times. Run away to Romania, to Hungary one time together to preach. And um, we're sitting, I'm sitting by the window, she's sitting in the aisle. And so there's a gap in between us. Um, This Romanian guy comes and sits in between us. Now I fall asleep because I'm like, I'm not going to preach till I get there, might as well rest. That Sharon looks over at this guy and she goes, excuse me. Do you know anyone who's been stabbed? I was like, I looked, I said, that Sharon, you don't say that on a plane. Like, we're, we're f- <laughs> and the guy's Romanian, so he's like, sorry, sorry. And now she's, no, now she's playing charades with the guy, you know. Do you know anyone who has been stabbed? And he goes, pale. He lifts up his shirt. And he shows a fresh stab wound, stitches right across his chest that he just got the night before in a bar fight. And he's like, oh, how how you know this? He said, oh, he said, my friend and I are prophets. We're going to pray for you, okay? (laughs) Four minutes, he grabbed my hand. She's laying it on the guy. We're just like, yes, Lord. He is 
thinking he's seeing angels. He goes to the back, talks to his friend. You can see him talking like... He sits with us for the whole flight, didn't say a word. He was so nervous. Until he learned, like, how do these guys know this? Wow. I came off the plane feeling really guilty, and I didn't know why. So I said, Sharon, and I I said, Sharon, how did you do that? She said, do what? I said, how did you... How did you, you know, it seems like such a silly question. Mm, mm, Because we do that when we're on the pulpit. We do that when we're ministering. Mm -hmm. She says, how did you do that on a plane? And she goes, ha, 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 you know, hello. Ha, 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 tell me. It's really simple. I never turn it off. Mm. (sighs) That triggered me mm. because I so relied on my office back then mm. that I never had fellowship on a plane. Mm. I never stayed in fellowship in the car. Mm. I was like, when I get there, my office will come. Like, you know, like Samson, I will do as I did before, <laughs> you know, because you get complacent mm. in mm. your office. Mm. But what would happen if you use your entire office in your entire ministry? Mm. And the final thing God says to you is, I actually never knew you. Mm. Like, we never had that place where you were discerning my voice and you were walking in prayer and intimacy with me. You just relied on the mantle to do everything. It it is a scary place. And and when we look at how God is exploding the prophetic movement in the earth right now, I believe the prophetic movement is never supposed to be disconnected from the prayer movement in the earth. That. The people God is raising up as his prophets are also people of prayer because they will be people that will birth things, not just by declaring it, but like Elijah behind the scenes as well. without praying prophets, without prayer, prophets live in the highlights. Wow. Do you know what I mean by that? Without prayer, prophets live in the highlights because God tells us in part. Mm. We Mm. behold in part, we see Mm. in part, we prophesy in part. Mm. So we live in the sound bites of what God's doing. Wow, wow. But when we have relationship, God's like, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but I've got to tell my friend. Mm. That's, not, that's not a soundbite. That's a very mm. vital mm. piece of information mm. that had, think about this, had Abraham not been a friend of God, nobody would have ever known. Wow. Destruction just would have happened. I mean, mm. I think as prophets, we should earnestly hunger more to be friends of God mm. than just prophets of the mm-hmm. Lord. That's the place I am passionate for. And yes. friends of God pray. Mm-hmm. Not all prophets pray, but friends of God, they fear God enough that every morning, even when they don't feel like it. This yes. morning, I didn't feel like praying. I'm going to be honest. I woke up. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. I went up to my prayer room and I just shut up. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but all of a sudden, as I got into it, it's like, oh, I'm home, you well, know. Well, so it's well, well. it's it definitely is a part of the fear of God. Amazing, amazing. I want to read this quote from the book: For John to be a voice in the wilderness, he had to first be an ear to be able wow. to hear firsthand what God was saying. He had to be close to God's house. Yeah. So. Him being a voice, he was hearing firsthand. It wasn't an echo repeating what someone else had said. He was receiving directly from God. How is this important for us today? 
Um, and as we come to a close, can you speak to people who are watching that are feeling the stirring in their hearts to be prophets or to uh, 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 operate more in the prophetic gift? And, you know, we talked about purity. We talked about consecration. Now we're talking about intimacy and that prayer place. How do, the, how do the, these things connect? And help us to be people that are like John in that we have an ear to hear. We're friends of God. We're not just receiving the highlights. We're actually walking closely with God, not just on the platform when we have to release a prophetic word, where the word of God comes to us, as we've been saying. Think about a young person, maybe an older person watching right now, you know, uh, and is desiring to grow in the prophetic. And, you know, they see you as one who releases amazing prophetic words. Can you just speak to that person and, and try to, again, just summarize the importance of these things and how it's relevant for this day that we're living in? And the great move of God, I believe, is started across the earth right now. So important. So important, and that quote you said in your book is 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 the essential ingredient mm. to transforming the world. Mm. And I'll say why. And I don't I don't want to critique the body of Christ, but if I could say something that was a frustration to me, watching a lot of the mainstream Christian networks, is. A lot of recycling, mm. very few revelations. Mm. Everything was something somebody else kind of had said. Mm. And I rarely saw a moment where there was a revealer. Mm. What is a revealer? We need revealers. Revealers, revealers are not prophets until they reveal. Mm. But, but mm. the gestation of of the prophetic is revelation, the birthing ground. And God says, you know, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. You're like, oh, great. But the things revealed belong to you. Mm. You're like, why is that? Why do I care about that? Why should I care about things revealed? God gives the children of Israel bucket loads of money. So much money that, you know, it's what we pray about. God, give me money and I'll serve you. <laughs> you know? And so God, God answers that prayer finally, right? Gives them money. And then um, he takes them out of poverty and starvation to put them in starvation. He literally says, I starved you. He literally said it. We read the scriptures, I starved you. I fed you with manna, which neither you nor your children loved. I said, why? He said, then I might show you. Man does not live by bread alone by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm. So ear to mouth, like you're saying. Man, the physical man is sustained by physical food. The spiritual man is sustained by revelation. Mm. Revelation is the food Come on. of every, not just prophets. Mm. The things revealed belong not to the prophets, but to us and our children. So every person in God was supposed to be a carrier of revelation. Mm -hmm. It was never supposed to be a denominational mosaic structure. Mm -hmm. It was originally intended. If you look at what God wanted to do, he wanted to speak to everybody, but they wanted a denominational uh, bishopric that would represent them. They asked for it. You go. Mm, you're good. We don't want all that. You, you go get mm -hmm. that for, for us and tell us what he said. That was not the mandate of God originally. Why? Because Christians cannot change the world 
hmm. witnesses can. Come on. What is the difference between a Christian and a witness? Christians happened when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They became Christians. They said, no, you got to wait. Don't, I know you can preach. I know you got a great voice. I know you can do falsetto, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you mm-hmm. and you will be witnesses. witnesses. You can be a great Christian, great singer, great preacher. You can preach better than T.D. Jakes, <laughs> but if the power doesn't come, mm. you'll be a performer and mm. not a witness. Mm. I often say that the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament Bible never met the physical Jesus once, mm. yet wrote more than all of them that did. Mm. And he actually said, I saw Jesus. You wonder, when did this man, Paul, see Jesus? He saw Jesus through the eyes of Revelation. Mm. Revelation changed. So Acts chapter 2 was really not about becoming Pentecostals. Mm. Acts chapter 2 Peter stands up and he says, no, 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 guys, don't call us Pentecostals. This is not Pentecostalism and we're not drunk. This is what Joel foretold, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Come on. And everybody's going to prophesy. Yes. In other words, everyone's going to carry revelation. Yes. Not one person is going to not carry a revelation in this hour. Come on. This is going to be the hour where I put revelation in. And if you think this is about young people, gosh, I'll put him on old men too. If you think this is about uh, gender, I'll pour him out on the woman. If you think this is about wealth and status, even on the house help and the handmaidens, every single person is going to carry this outpouring of revelation. Before it was his servant, the prophets, but now... Liberal upon the wide, not even all Christian flesh. This is what will trigger some people. Because Peter was thinking, yes, all Jewish flesh. I mean, you remember Peter's thinking, yeah, all Jewish flesh. And then Cornelius shows up. It's like, oh, when you said all flesh, you meant all flesh. (laughs) I mean, God God was really rewiring his brain and going, no, I mean, Mm. everybody, Mm. Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, nobody's not going Mm -hmm, to hear mm -hmm, mm -hmm, or have mm -hmm. an ability to carry revelation. And so we're actually in a great dispensation of grace that we don't know the privilege of the dispensation we're under. And so sometimes what God has to do is under-resource us Deliberately, I mean, hmm. you look at you built an amazing studio, and and nobody nobody knows that you had to be really under resourced to build it. Why? Because you didn't build it by resource; you built it by revelation. Mm-hmm. People funded revelation; mm-hmm. they didn't fund you just because you had a great idea. Mm-hmm. It was prayer storm, the yeah. revelation of prayer storm mm-hmm. that attracted resources. Mm-hmm. People need to spend less time praying for resources and more time praying for revelation. Come on, because when you get a revelation, people are like, oh, I can buy into that. Yeah. I can't buy into your desire to do whatever you want to do for yourself mm. but when God is in it mm. all of a sudden people begin to 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 resource it so God was like I can't put you in the promised land because all this resources is supposed to build a revelation and I can only that revelation is a tabernacle mm. and I want you to spend it on that so I've got to put you in the wilderness so you know what to do with resources to drive it towards me I'm, I'm going somewhere with this to to talk to the the, the people Revelation is the most important real estate of the body of Christ for one reason. Now, I studied law. And in law, you, you, um, you uh, need to call witnesses. And a witness, by the legal definition, is somebody who has firsthand view of an incident or a crime. A witness cannot come into a court 
and say to the judge, um, oh, um, did you, the judge says, did you see the cocker spaniel bit bite James? I know, but my friend saw it. <laughs> well, how do you know? My friend told me. Guess what the prosecution will say? Objection. Why? Speculation and hearsay. What is hearsay? Hearsay is when you heard somebody say. So you're, you're a witness for a witness. You're That's not inadmissible. <laughs> exactly. Speculation is when you try to assume the mind of that witness as to what their feelings was towards that incident act. So you cannot be a hearsay person or a speculator. I wonder if we have hearsay Christians and speculative Christians in the body of Christ today. (laughs) I just just want to throw that out there. I wonder if when Jesus was saying, "Who, who, who do people say that I am? Some say you're this. Oh, that's hearsay. Some say you're that. Oh, that's speculation. Hey, Peter, who do you say I am? You're Christ, the living son of God. That wasn't a profound revelation. You know, demons said it. Jesus never said, blessed are you. Mm. Why did he say it for Peter? Mm. It wasn't about what Peter said. Mm. It was about where Peter got what Peter said from. Mm. The source is more powerful than the accuracy. Mm. Most people spend all their prophetic lives trying to get a name of somebody, Mm. a surname Mm. of somebody. So we do all these great things. Yet I found the most impactful prophecies I've ever given people are not prophecies that were accurate in their name and their surname. It was prophecies that people could tell came from the Father. Mm. When, they, when, when it was, oh, this man speaking from a source mm. that is God, mm. mm-hmm. it, it touches them more than mm. people, your name is James. Good, I'm walking <laughs> away. You know, that, that, it, it, that's a style. Yeah. When you're connected to the Father, there's a flow. And so for every person who is hungering for the prophetic and uh, the prophetic ministry, howbeit as sensational as it may look, the birthing ground of the prophetic and the birthing ground of revelation, I'm going to shock people, is not to love God more, Mm. it's to fear God more. Mm. Because the Bible says the secret of the Lord are with those that fear him, not with those that love him. So in this kind of Western culture, we've built a love culture in the church. So if we love God more, we'll hear God more. Some of the most loving churches in the UK don't carry revelation. So that's important because that comes back to where we started. Yeah. The fear of God, the 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 beginning of wisdom, but that leads to holiness, that leads to consecration, that leads to purity. (laughs) So it's all kind of connected in a real powerful way. Absolutely. I said we're going to finish, but I just had something come to mind. I think it's important you kind of let us know what you feel God's saying to the nation. (laughs) However, you're also moving to Nigeria. Moving to Nigeria. So, I mean, we talked about, you know, having tattoos in Nigeria as a preacher. (laughs) (laughs) I think that'll be the end of your ministry, right? I think so. So, so going back to that, though, uh, uh, do you want to say anything about that in terms of, you know, why Nigeria, moving from the UK to Nigeria, literally re- relocating your whole family? Yeah. And I know you said to me, even just prior to this, that, you know, your heart has really shifted in terms of even here, being here in the UK. Mm-hmm. So when I ask you what's God saying to the nation, you're probably going to be feeling more faint in that direction. But we'll still love to hear what you're feeling on your heart. Perhaps you might want to touch on the move to Nigeria as well. Yeah, I think, you know, when... My last word for the nation um, was actually on Sunday. I put out a word uh, that I felt was very important. And uh, as controversial as it came to me, I tried to find a way to deliver it that 
still carry would would um, would have some credibility and wouldn't make people go, "What's he talking about?" You know, the Lord told me that the month of July would be the month to not listen to your experts. I was like, "What does that mean?" Mm. You know, and how do you even say that? You know, mm. stop listening to the experts. We have this huge expert class. I don't know if you've mm. noticed, but we've all started listening to them. They become the prophets. You know the prognosticators and so. All that. So how you received that was that the experts in terms of politics, in terms uh, yeah. of coronavirus, of, in terms all of, of it. All, all that stuff. All of it. So I'm going to I'm I'm going to learn this because I know this is. <laughs> uh, you asked me this is a kind of worms now. You asked me to bring it. Summarize. People, summarize. You know people people you know they they were very sacrosanct about this season that were you know there's this huge polarizing nature in the church was like you know are you a pro-vax or anti-vax are you a masker or an unmasker do we even here, you know, we elbow, do we hug? You know, we're, but we're we're getting into this divisive place because of our experts, who we have venerated as our prophets. Mm. You know, we have mm. they have become the forecasters of today, and we listen to this expert class above our ears for the prophetic. Mm. And we don't, we, if we're not careful, we'll we'll. We'll put the experts above the prophetic voices. Mm. And I'm not saying that experts don't have their place. Mm. But the Bible mm-hmm. actually says, I will make the, 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 the wisdom of the learned fail. Mm. There is something coming this month, and it feels like a crossover month. I really felt that prophetically in the spirit, where we would have to make the choice to value revelation above expertise. Mm. And... I already can feel the stick I'm going to get for this statement. But let me, if I can soften it like this, Paul was on, in the book of Acts, he was on a ship, and he was setting sail for Rome to be judged by the Romans because he said, I'm a Roman. And as he's arrested, the centurion is with him, and he's fasting, and he finishes his fasting. He's like, hey, guys, you know, I see this journey will not end well for us. Mm-hmm. He, the Bible says he advised them and said, I see. That's a prophetic act. So the prophet in him is saying, I had a vision. This journey we're on won't end well for us. Let's go another way. But the Bible says the centurion preferred the advice of the pilot to Mm. the advice of the prophet. Okay. So that's the picture of that you're seeing for July. Listening to the expert as opposed to the revelator. In this pivotal place where we either listen to the prophet or the pilot. And the pilot has experience. That's the problem. The pilot has experience, the pilot has degrees. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You'd almost say prophets need to stay out of these areas. And there's gonna be a massive offense with the prophetic that that because it's almost going to appear that the prophetic is over. It's like Jesus who said, let down your net on the right side. And Peter's like, we're fishermen. Stop. This is, this is our field. We know this well, but I'll do what you say at your word. So God is actually going to step into areas in our lives, in our politics, in our, even in our coronavirus dealings, mm-hmm. where I see this divide getting more divided between listening to the experts mm-hmm. um, and moving into the place where the revelation carries the body of Christ through to the other side. Mm. And I do believe there's another side. I'm not one of those that thinks this pandemic is the Antichrist and this mm. is the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I, I'm simply not there. And I don't think we're in the end times. I frankly think we're in the beginning of sorrows, like the Bible says we are. 
Um, he says the end is not yet. Mm. This is just the beginning. So yeah, if we're yeah, crying yeah, out yeah, at yeah, you know yeah. the beginning, then what are we going to do when mm. the end comes? Mm. And so when we look at where we are right now in God's calendar, is the enemy trying to hasten something? Probably he is. Um, somebody said, "Oh, look at this vaccine that no man might buy nor sell." You know, we got to be careful. This is it. I'm not trying to minimize their eschatology, but I believe as the body of Christ, our our blueprint. For God's calendar has got to be the realm of the spirit. It mm. cannot be the news of the world. It cannot be the sun. It can't be yeah, Fox News or CNN. Yeah. And so where are we navigating our way to? We're navigating our way to a place where the seas are getting ready to be stormier. The divide is getting ready to be more divisive. And the question God is going to ask the church is, are you going to listen to the prophet or are you going to listen to the pilot? Wow, wow, wow. That's powerful. Well, we want to be people of revelation. I have have often said, you know, heaven has headlines for the nation. Heaven has headlines for your life, for your family, for your community. Well, I choose to listen to heaven's headlines. And oftentimes, I believe God raised up his prophetic voices Mm. to herald the headlines of heaven right now. So are you listening more to that than you are to, say, you know, BBC News and all that? You know, there was even a season where I had to shut out all the news because it was just so much that it's like, okay, just just for a season, let's just shut that down. Let's tune our ears Mm -hmm. to what heaven is actually saying right mm-hmm. now tell me you you lead ministry here in the uk obviously in other nations now rig nation i mean people can easily get hold of you because right. just type in rig nation anywhere <laughs> <laughs> you got rig nation nigeria rig nation asia rig nation u.s how many nations are you now we're in u.s we're in asia in the philippines we're in lagos in nigeria and we're in um <laughs> I'm trying to remember Somewhere else but I mean, the ministry has been growing. There's yeah. been lots of impact, especially lots of YouTube videos just impacting lots and lots of people. I, I believe you're going to carry on doing that as you move to Nigeria as well. Absolutely, yeah. And we'll still keep the offices, and we'll still continue to train and raise up the the prophetic voice in the nations. It's our it's our driving vision. Well, that's amazing. Well, it's so good to have you right here with us in Thank Manchester. You, it's been great, <laughs> and. Uh, I think, actually, I I want to thank you for taking time to read the book and taking time to, you know, because I was down in your studio just a few weeks ago. We talked about the book as well. You know, thank you for your encouragement. Uh, For those of you watching who are interested in this book, I know we've talked about various things connected to the book, some of them not connected to the book, but do feel free to check it out. Life on Fire. And uh, it really is about the Elijah revolution and I believe what's happening in these days that we're living in as we're preparing for great abhorrence of the Spirit of God. And it's great to have uh, uh, Tommy with us today. You can check out uh, Tommy's ministry, Rig Nation, you know, very easy to find on YouTube, on Instagram, they're everywhere. So Tommy, I don't know if you have anything you want to share with us watching, Uh, maybe a word from the Lord that uh, might just speak into their situation right now, even as we wrap up. Could be a prophetic word or prayer. Over to you. Well, Father, I just thank you. I bless you for those who are watching today. And Father, I pray, Lord, just as we've shared this word, pour out the spirit of revelation. Lord, there are people watching who are hungry for dreams, visions, and divine encounters with you. And so, God, I ask you, would you expand that? impartation of the anointing of the prophet upon their life, upon their house. Lord, Job said that that the covenant of God was over his tent and the secrets of the Lord were with him. Father, I pray, 
Put that same covenant over their house. Put that same secret of the Lord uh, over their homes. And I just see people right now being touched, people being healed, people being delivered, people being set free. I just see even a woman who's going to watch this called Daisy. And I see right now that you've been in a place of just needing a miracle for your mom. And I see uh, where even your mom contracted COVID previously, and there was a, a, a some kind of other illnesses connected to that. And God is doing a miracle right now for you. I see somebody called Emmanuel, and I just see where you have been hungering for this next level of the prophetic ministry. God is going to increase his hand and his might upon you in this next season. I actually see you in a transition where you haven't been in church for a while, and you've been looking for somewhere to go to uh, like tribe. And I see the Lord connecting you right now, Emmanuel, to like tribe. And I see the hand of God uh, coming upon you. I see a woman whose marriage is in just absolute uh, uh, chaos. And I actually see that there's a Ghanaian man in your life. I don't know who that uh, is, but I see you watching right now. And you're like, God, I don't know if I trust anymore. There's been so much uh, uh, that I've seen by way of uh, adultery. There's been so much I've seen by way of addictions in his life. And it has gone on for years right now. And I actually believe that the Lord is getting ready to do a miracle in your life. And a miracle for you at any point would be either an open door or a closed chapter. Mm. And I believe the Lord's doing a miracle right now for you. And and where you've been crying out for clarity, God in his mercy is getting ready to put a sword right now in the midst of that. Mm. Father, we speak, put your sword right there in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Wow, tell me that was powerful. Thank you for releasing those words. And li- listen, if those words really connect with where you're at, just comment on the video, let us know. We'd love to hear your testimonies on how these videos are being a blessing to you. Well, until next time, we want to encourage you to stay in the presence of God. Stay on fire for God because we believe you can't bear these snakes and all these addictions, as we said earlier, as you live in a place of fire. So God bless you. Stay in the place of prayer. We believe God's going to encounter you in deeper ways like never before. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Prayer Storm podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Prayer Storm, all one word. Find us on YouTube as well. We put up regular teachings and worship sessions and prayer nights on there. Don't forget James's new book, Life on Fire, at prayerstorm.org. The link is also in the description.